Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The March sales event is now on, offering low APR finance and deposit contribution across the 191 Renault range. Offer ends March 30th, so call into Blackstone Motors, Drogheda or Dundalk today to see how affordable buying a new Renault is. No, we haven't lost the plot on late lunch at the start of a brand new week. Yes, do you remember the wacky races and Muttley and Dick Dastardly Stop the Pigeon? Well, there's a reason why we wanted you to hear that Stop the Pigeon at the beginning of the week on late lunch. Have you seen the news? A pigeon was sold at auction. Listen to this, folks. For 1.25 million euro. Can you believe it? For a pigeon. He's been called the Lewis Hamilton of pigeons. I'm not surprised. Armando is his name and he's a Belgian pigeon. What a price to pay for one of our feathered friends. And I was thinking about this today and I said, who do I talk about this or who might give me an insight into the pigeon racing business? And yes, bingo. Ed's name came to me straight away. Jack Riley is with me and he's from the Drogheda Invitation Pigeon Club. Jack, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you for asking. What do you make of this? Does this surprise you? But first thing first, were you, were you bidding? Oh, I was, of course. But I, um, I had to put it after 500,000 or 25 cents. You know, I just had to pull out of it because uh, if I went home with a pigeon at that price, I think the pigeon would get me bedroom and I'd be down in the pigeon loft. <laughs> you know, it's, it's some crazy. money, Jack. Oh, though, it's crazy money for a board, it really is. Because, unfortunately, there's no guarantee that that pigeon will rep- produce youngsters anything near as good as itself. And that's the reason he was bought for that money for it's his oh, offspring, isn't it? Oh yeah, he'd be put to stud, the same as racehorses. He'd be put to stud <laughs> and uh, and coupled with uh, all different types of hens to produce as many different offspring as, as they can out of them, you know. But I unfortunately, I don't know the age of the pigeon. He's five, Jack. Five, lovely. Well, he hasn't got much left. No, <laughs> in pigeon terms, you know. But, but he'll uh, have a lot of fun. Oh, he will, Dad. Oh, aye. he gets some of that hemp oil you sent to over, you know, and he'll be grand. He'll be, 
Don't be a bother on him. Yes, he actually, I, I, I can confirm, actually, he will not race anymore now. The the idea is for offspring, and obviously that's going to generate oh, yeah. the return on the investment there. But tell me in a, in a practical sense, of course, this was the exception. What would you pay for a good race in Pigeon in Ireland? Well, a good race in Pigeon now have gone up. At the last now, I haven't gone for an auction this couple of years, but my friends have told me that I've gone that you just may keep your hand in your pocket. So the price has yeah. risen in here? It's gone way up. It's gone way up from years ago. You could get a decent pigeon for around 30 euro up to 100. You'd be doing okay. But now they're starting at 100 plus and they're going up all the time. So hundreds and hundreds of euro, yeah. you'd be likely. Would you go? Would, would it ever go over the grand, which is a sort of a mark? Oh, it would. It has done above the Dublin show. I've auctioned that up type there of money. In November. Yeah, up to gone over a grand. Yeah. And again, Jack, is that for a pigeon that's racing at the moment, or are they looking at the breeding potential? It's a pigeon that has raced uh, uh, most of the time, and off champion races, what we call bulls. That have we're lucky enough that the fanciers had them that won national races. Okay. You know, they they be looking for the offspring of them. Mm. But I would find I would find Jerry and all honestly that you might be better off getting a, a, a brother or sister of the pigeon, the champion pigeon, because you get it for less money, and could do the same business, could click for you, you know. All those years of experience coming to the fore with Jack Riley oh, now. He's a cute <laughs> operator. But, like, this money, who's driving this, that type of money? Where's the money coming from to pay that for a bird? Well, look, it's the Chinese are driving it up. They've come into the sport recently. Now, in the past few years, they've really come in strong into the bidding end of things, you know, and they, they've pushed it way up. Now, where are they getting the money from? I don't know. I'd like to know. It'd be grand. It'd be grand. <laughs> Uh, would you change the writing on your house to the Chinese symbolic writing if you had an, an old sponsor from the Far East? Would that appeal to you? No, because people might think I'm opening <laughs> up a, a takeaway. I know, I'd be bogged out with you the wrong type of clientele. Don't, you don't want that, <laughs> for sure. But the, obviously the Chinese have got into this sport oh, now really and there are lots of fanciers over there and plenty of money. Oh, there is, there is. Plenty of, it used to be, uh, England used to be a big hotbed. Now it's, uh, then you went to the continent like Belgium and the Netherlands. Big sport there. And now the Chinese have come in. But just before them, the Americans were in as well, in a big way. But with the Americans seeing now, I don't know much about it. It doesn't seem to have clicked as well as the European or European partners, you know. You've been in pigeons a long, long time. Oh, yeah. How many pigeons have you have you in your loft at the moment? At the moment, I've got too many. <laughs> You're looking for some pigeons. Uh, now I, I, I'm overstocked at the minute now because I had a reasonable good season last year. Okay. So I, I would say I have about seventy five, which is a lot for me. It's a lot of pigeons. Isn't it's it? a lot for me because now I'm rearing young bulls, my own young bulls this year, and you see that. It's a lot of feeding and handling, you know. Yes. It's a lot uh, for to be doing. But isn't it a great interest and hobby and pastime as well? well look, Jerry, it keeps you. It keeps you busy. Keeps you occupied. Something to get up out of the bed. You got to go and look after them because if you don't look after them, 
They're not bother looking after you. You yes. say, I'm going somewhere else. Get out of here, quick. You know. Now, tell me this about the homing instinct of a pigeon. So, you rear your own pigeons. They're born in your own loft. Do you know when they f- develop their feathers and they grow a bit and for the first time you're letting them out, are you worried that they, they go and maybe not come back? Always. Always. It's always a trying time, I think, for fanciers when you let your own little kid of young birds out, especially for the first time. And they're, they're only walking about and only tipping about flying a little bit. You get stretching their wings. And sometimes if a gust of wind comes out, can take them away. You'd have to be hopping across a wall here or there to get them <laughs> in the neighbour's garden, which happened on and off. We often fell across in the pigeon. Thought I was stupid because it got up and came back in itself. You know, and I was left in the neighbour's garden, you know. But it's a great sport. It's, it takes up time and it, it can relax you, though. Yeah. It keeps you, and it keeps you at home. Now, now for the women, God bless them, are out there, the, the, the pigeon with us, you know. But the thing about that is, which is a good thing, is. They know what the husband is. He's not in the back garden in the loft. Not like golf for us fishermen <laughs> or sports fans. I understand, Jack, what you're saying. There you are, girls. It's a good passion for your husband to have. You're at home with your homing pigeons. Okay, so you rear them and you let them out for the first time and they go and come back. Maybe you have a few little losses there. What age do you... Right, they, they get used to where they're from, your home place. And then you decide... How do you decide this is a good pigeon to race, or do they all race in their time? Well, you race the whole lot of them. They you all have, race? Yeah, you have to train them and race them to see have they got that potential and will last the programme. So when you send them out for their first race, what age is a pigeon when you send them away for the first time? Well, it would be about two months. That's young? Yeah. Very and away months. they go. God, they're only little well, you fellas. You see, you start them training force, Jerry. They do what we call in in the sport. They start ranging. You know, when the, when young boys are out first, they will fly here, there, and everywhere, getting the wings, getting strength in their wings, getting confidence in themselves. And then one day they start banding together, batching together, as we call it. And then they be flying around home, flying. Some morning you let them out, and they're flying around and they're away. And you're sitting there and your heart is in your mouth. Where in God's earthly name are these boys gone? Oh, that's it. Another disaster, you're saying to Oh, mother of goodness. What <laughs> not coming back. Now? And an hour will pass. Two hours often pass. And you're sitting there and I go in and make a cup of tea. And the mother-in-law dresses her up and says, hey, What's wrong with you now? Oh, so they're gone, man. They're gone. They're gone. And they wouldn't have the walls out of me, and then you see them coming back with the lift I get in the hat. And once they do that once, you're pretty yeah, sure then they, they'll yeah. home and back. They'll do that, you see, then they're learning the surroundings, they're, they're home in ability. They know where they are, and they'll do that. They'll do that for a, leave them at that for a week or so, and then you, you start bringing them on little trips up the road. Start them off maybe a six to ten mile, and graduated on then for preparing for the fourth race. So it's like yeah. a, a training yeah, and preparing not training for a race, yes. you know. That's so just what it's like. When, when, after those short runs and you're confident and they're starting to build up their ability and confidence, what's the first serious race you'll put a pigeon into? What distance? Where do you send them, say, well, from Drogheda to? 
Well, young boy or old boy, it doesn't matter. They all start at, at Gurren Park in Kilkenny. Sort of the centre of the country. Yeah, it's about 75, would be about 75 miles to us, you know. And then they go on then to uh, Torles. No, sorry, to Tremor. Then to Fairmoy. Then then to Castleton. Castleton, they're all, Fairmoy, Castleton, or Cork, then County Cork, which are talking about 140 miles to Castleton, 180. Then we go across then to our good neighbours in Wales, over to Talbeny. Right. Which is 144 miles, 622 yards. <laughs> you have it the precisely. Pity, the pity could tell me that, but better than I could tell you something, you know. But um, no, that's the fourth water race. Yeah, the so, race, so they're you know. over in Wales then. And yeah. then do you go to the south of England? or do We you would. Go- we go on then, down. We go on then, down. After that, you'd have a, a race from Bude. Mm. In, uh, Bude is around Cornwall area. And then you have uh, Penzance and Sennancobe. I just see you going you know. down the coast in oh, Ireland, yeah. then across into and Wales, headed, yeah. down to the south of England. Yeah, and then across to France. We ponder. Yes. And is that the longest race then from France back to Ireland? Uh, yeah, it for, is. For the Irish pigeon yeah, fanciers. Yeah. My God. And so each time they're going that bit farther and they're making that journey more challenging oh, yes. as and, they go. And the pigeon is getting fitter also. Yes. You know. What are, you know, you know, the brave distances in Ireland, never mind from Wales, the UK and then France. Surely, Jack, there's many pitfalls for pigeons. When Let's talk about when they have to cross two sets of waters, the English Channel and the Irish Sea. Well, that's the biggest problem for pigeons. That's to me, is the biggest challenge for them because they don't like crossing the water. Mm. Pigeons don't like it. Even when they're on training tosses just up near Balbriggan there, just as you're going into Balbriggan on the north side, on the bend of the road, there's a little inlet comes in. And I've seen letting pigeons out at Scarries. They'll hug the coastline down, and instead of going straight across at Delvin there, onto Garmiston Beach, no, they'll come round. They don't want the water. They don't like water. They don't like it. They try to hug the land. Yeah, I don't know why it is, but they just don't like trying to cross the water. Mm. And I'm sure there are many, I talk about the human uh, interventions they may meet from time to time from people. Uh, You have ships sailing on the seas, you have things flying above them. You have weather. I'm sure weather is a a huge factor, is it, Jack? It really is a big problem, you know, but... With, with the way weather has been updated now, it is handier for the different organisations at the liberation points to get the message through as to whether to release or hold back. You know, sometimes you would have to hold pigeons overnight, you know, and uh, liberate the following morning right. as early as possible, you know. So it's guided yeah. by weather oh, now. Yeah. So you're looking for the best possible conditions. You were saying to me, a northern wind, when they're coming from France and that is a devil. Why? It is, because the birds have to fly low. They like to hedge hop, as we call it, if you're flying up the land. And it's very dangerous. And the same with underwater. They would fly through maybe the, the, the wave, the troughs of the wave. That low? Oh, yeah. They'd be flying just above the water. And that can be very dangerous for a pigeon, because if a pigeon gets wet, it could be lost because they don't swim. Mm. They're like myself. I think top, <laughs> middle and bottom of the three. We'll have, have to get hand. you <laughs> lessons. The other thing, how long would it take a pigeon uh, in decent weather conditions to come from France to your loft in Drogheda? Anything from seven to eight hours. 
It's fantastic, isn't yeah. it? For a little creature of its size. Oh, yeah. They're only in normal race, racing weight for a pigeon would only be six ounces. They're tiny, aren't they? Yeah, they look bigger, but they're not. We're talking racing pigeons on late lunch this afternoon. Jack Riley is with me, and he's telling he tells me off the mic there that he's at the pigeon since he was ten years of age. What experience this man has, Jack! Here's we have some questions for you from listeners. Thank you so much. What distance is the King's Cup, and where does it start? Well, it starts in France in Saint Alastair. It's about five hundred and twenty-five miles to me. To your loft from yeah. there. Okay, it's a big race, is it, the it's King's big, Cup? It's one of the biggest races on the calendar. Another one. Will you explain, Jack, how a race works? Okay, so start with your own loft and say it's coming from that St Alistair in France. What happens? Well, your board, your loft has to be measured anyway. The secretaries of the clubs get the loft, the, each individual member's loft measured. So that's measured from each loft yeah, to the to start the of the race? Of, okay. of all the races, yes. And then the boards are race marked, what we call race marking uh, in the it will be marked in the federations and not the club every week you have club races but when it's the, these big races it's the National Flying Club races and the federations that would race mark the boards so your boards are brought to the race marking, put in special crates, special lorries that the crates are slot into and then they're driven to the race point and it would probably take them a, a day and a half to get to the race point. You'd like to get there as early as they can to settle down, let the board settle down and uh, give them a drink and a little bit to eat before the liberation. And then the boards are liberated the next morning. And when the board arrives home, home to you, to your loft, it is timed in on the new electric timing systems that we have now. We've, we've updated from the old clock system and that your time is registered, you go down to your club, and the early velocities then are brought to the federation, and there the results are made up then by the by the committee. It's brilliant. So it's electronic now. When a board comes yeah. back into your loft, it clocks its time yeah. straight away. Straight away. And of course, then it's measured the time it takes to get back by the distance from the loft to the start point, yeah. and that's and, the way it's worked out. The winners, the, yeah, and the highest velocity is the one that is wins the one race. that wins it. Somebody else there saying, "Hi, could you please ask your wonderful guest how can fidget pigeons find their way back?" It seems impossible. Well, it's, it's orientation. It's just the same as like how does the swallow come back to the same? Yeah. Yes, the salmon up to the same river is spawned, and you know nature, and it's the same thing with nature again, and that that's how we we don't know. There's been all types of different scientific uh, theories put, yeah. but you know there's been wing theory, there's uh, sun and moon, arc and. All the different things have been put, and no one knows exactly. And long may we never know how the salmon gets back, or the pigeon, or the swallow. It's one of those great mysteries of the world. What about local fanciers, and you're part of the Drawhead Invitation yourself? Many people in the pigeons today. Well, there are. There's two good, strong clubs in Drawhead, and, and good pigeon men in both clubs. And some nice success has been gained in our own club. We've had a uh, Top prize winner with uh, the Carter Brothers winning the Miller Gold Cup, which is a big prestigious race to win in any federation. Not far from the town, there's a young man who won the King's Cup, young McAvoy, 
from Plotterhead. So he actually won that competition that yeah. the listener was asking us about there yes, from Plotterhead. Yes, well done to him. Blaine, I think it's the champ's first name. Blaine, Blaine McAvoy, yeah. well done to you. Played from, and then good old friends of mine down the years in the sport were lucky enough to win the, the St. Mallow race and you had Joe Magner, the Brannigan brothers. And my good friend Patsy Tartan. So all great names all in the sport. Great, yeah. What about yourself? Your best pigeon ever? Well, my best pigeon ever only ever won one water race was from Bude in England. In England. So I, I, I treasured her. A little hen, little Czech poet hen, and I treasured her. She was a good pigeon, good little pigeon. But her offspring are there. But that would have been down. That particular pigeon was down off a gift board from Patsy Tartan's. Okay. And I've been lucky enough now also to get gift boards from the Carter brothers off their Miller Gold Cup winner, so I intend pairing them together. And you never know, we could get a million dollar deal. Jackie, it could be you he'll be reading the <laughs> oh, headlines about. Jack Riley has <laughs> produced the second million euro plus pigeon in the history of the sport. Wouldn't it be wonderful, oh, Jack? It really would. I it really you'd would. have to leave the town after that. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. You'd be fated. You'd be leading next year's St. Patrick's Parade if you get that pigeon in, in that short space of time. Anyway, listen, it's great to see you. Thank you for dropping in today to talk to us and enlighten us about the sport of pigeon racing as well. It is fantastic and I wish you well with your birds. The new season starting in April to July for the older birds and July, September when the young birds come on stream again. Continued success to you and the clubs, all the clubs in the North East with their pigeons. For the moment, Jack Riley, thank you. My next guests on the show today are sisters Cloda and Siobhan Laffey from Curahan, County Mead. We met them first in late lunch back in May 2017. Oh my God, how tempest fugit. As they embarked on a treatment programme for Lyme disease. They were going to Germany at that stage and they were full of hope that this would be the panacea to all of their problems. They're back on late lunch today and I'm delighted to welcome them to the show. Cloda and Siobhan, it's really good to see you both again. Thank you for joining me. Hi Jerry. thanks for having us. Well, well, well. A lot of water under the bridge <laughs> since we spoke on this show last. Yeah. Can I just go back to that, to the time when you got Lyme? Just remind listeners again, Siobhan, you were the first to get it, yes? Correct, yeah. 2009, out in America on, was it a summer programme? a summer camp, yeah. yeah. And do you remember, just back to that time again, do you remember the bite, the tick bite or anything about no. that? No. I got bitten that summer, but I didn't know by Could what. Could be by anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And many bites, yeah. I suppose, <laughs> as well. Okay, so just hard to pinpoint that. But you began to feel, feel unwell subsequently. Yeah, from pretty much 2009 when I traced it back, I just had a lot of different symptoms that were manifesting. For me, mostly it was muscular skeletal, so a lot of joint pain, uh, tight muscles um, and things that I wouldn't have connected to that, like migraines coming on board and losing the use of my right arm for a period of time. Um, And then it was only probably in the last year or six months before diagnosis that my symptoms became neurological where I had problems with memory and didn't know where I was going or who I was or forgetting words or stuff like that. Whereas Cloda kind of had that from the onset. Yeah. Uh, of course. And Cloda, this is just incre- an incredible story that one sister, yeah. and eventually I must say you're diagnosed in 2014 yeah. with acute Lyme disease. 
And here, you follow in your... Do you, do you always follow yeah. each other in life like this? <laughs> well, yeah, I followed her over to America to the camp, so... Yeah. That's probably where we both got it. And, and, and this is an incredible coincidence, because this was a number of years later, 2013, was it, you went over? I went over But you had these severe symptoms mm-hmm. quickly, yes. Me, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had them pretty much... I came home and back to college in September, and mine were really severe neurological episodes where I was in at the GPs and would be sent to A&E and they'd be scanning me for brain tumours, epilepsy, all that kind of thing and was losing, I was having problems speaking and the words weren't coming out right and then it was affecting walking and I went from being very, very active and rock climbing and hiking to barely being able to get out of bed with help. And then you're both diagnosed simultaneously with the Mm -hmm. same thing. Yeah, Yeah, within the space of probably two weeks, I would say. Um, mostly down to our parents because mum mm-hmm. and dad were doing all their research mm. because all I at the time they weren't we thought I had been given the label of fibromyalgia in maybe like 2010 2011 mm-hmm. and the doctor was like treatment equals live with it and get on with things so I was kind of on the back burner yeah. but because you were so severe they um, were and the answers you were getting weren't sufficient. Yeah, I was just being sent from consultant to consultant and none of them were putting the bigger picture together. Nobody was recognising maybe the stomach problems and all those problems were linked together and it was only um my friend's mum who said maybe you should get tested for Lyme disease since you came home from America very sick. And honestly I don't know if we ever would have went down that mm. route if she hadn't said it to us. So, so her words proved to be very, very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're being, it's this, it's that, it's the other, it's not mm-hmm. this, it may be that. When you get a diagnosis, well, at least then you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not. Was there any relief head. in that, even though it's a shocking diagnosis? Yeah. yeah. I think for me, it was a, I kind of, I don't know. For you, it was probably more instant. I had been living like this for a while. So I just, I think I said this to you last time. I thought, oh, this is just getting older. Like, I didn't realise it was going to be so bad. Um, You're only a gay. I know. I'm only a young one. What are you talking about? Um, So then when I did get the diagnosis, I guess it was a bit like, oh, great. So (laughs) this isn't just what it's going to be for the rest of the time. Now, last time you were here, May 2017, I said you were about to embark on this journey to Germany. And I know we spoke, I think, subsequently briefly, but... You go to Germany to the BCA clinic Mm -hmm. in Augsburg and there's a Dr. Nicholas there who's a recognised specialist in this field. Was Germany the panacea? Was it what you hoped it would be? What has it done for you? 100%. It's given us both hope and a chance of getting our life back. Um, I think so we've been treated by specialists who understand our symptoms and how to treat us. Yeah, well, I mean, they've just so much experience over there. So our doctor always tells us to tell him every symptom, which was probably very tedious at the beginning. So we had a list as long as our arm and our leg, probably. But he could connect what each one of those referred to in terms of Lyme disease or a co-infection. So it's definitely, we wouldn't have got that treatment in Ireland. Like, there was no doctor available at the time anyway. Um, but Is I there now? I think there's one doctor who take who was helping patients, but I'm not sure if he's taking anyone on anymore. So his expertise and the clinic's expertise mm-hmm. with treating this specifically yeah. with many people over the years was a huge benefit. Yeah. What about this IV thing mm-hmm. you got? So I think the last time we were on, it was right before we went over to Germany. And the reason we were going over was because we hadn't been able to take 
the oral medication, like the tablets, for about four months because both of us came down with a bad vomiting bug in January and then I got it again in April and had a stomach ulcer. So we were in it, we'd been off treatment for about four months easily and had deteriorated a lot. So the only option less to, left to us was to get IV treatment and we couldn't get it in Ireland and we'd been trying for about two months to organise it and it just wasn't happening. So our only option was to go to Germany to our clinic which is a day clinic, um, and to get the IV treatment there, which, which ended up working out for the best probably because we were under our doctor's care every day. So we needed changes as we went along. And it was immediate then if something wasn't working, he changed it and the next day would be on a different protocol. Um, so we, I think when we originally were going over, we hoped maybe three months <laughs> and it ended up being seven months because we had a bit of a hiccup. We got a virus yeah. over there. Um so we were there from I think the start of June until December. We were we home, home for home Christmas. For Christmas. Yeah. How's, your, how's your German? <laughs> I can order ice cream and that's about it now. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, ice cream mom and... had some from her days in school, so yeah, <laughs> we're not very good at it. Uh, you have to have a, a, a smile side of this, don't you? Yeah, really do <laughs> to, to deal. I mean, you girls have by the spadeful yeah. and what you've been through. So seven months. Are, are you still in touch with Germany? Is it still part of your treatment regime at the minute? Yeah, we're still. Um, Skyping our doctor regularly and we did have visits over there during the year since we've been home as well. Um, We're still both on pretty intensive treatment plans but we're managing well I'm managing okay on tablets now so I don't need the IV where I needed it before Um, so I've definitely noticed a massive improvement in that. So you have had a major change in your life. Would you say yeah. you're back to where you were prior to diagnosis and feeling this since 2009? No, I'm not. I'm not back to where I was. I'm not 100%. I would say before Germany, I was probably 55%, say before we went for the IV treatment. Because I was working at the time, but I had no quality of life. I worked and that was it. Then it was bed. Then it was do nothing at the weekends. And since I've come home, like, I'm working full time, but I've also been able to do things with friends. I've started trying to get doing physical exercise again, and I did a 5K last year. Well done, now, you. I didn't, I didn't run it. It was a what? But it, it was, was done. Mm. It was a massive achievement for me. And I just, I know I wouldn't have had that without. So I'm, I would say I'm probably 80% on the way, which is a big... Big change imp- for you. A big change for me. What about you, Claudia? Um, I unfortunately haven't got the breakthrough in my recovery, but that was probably because when we came home and Siobhan was able to go straight on the oral antibiotics, I couldn't go on to them. I couldn't tolerate them at all. So I'm on a herbal treatment protocol, which takes longer to work. But definitely the six months in Germany helped me in that I do have more better days where I can go out and do errands. But then I do also have the bad days where I'm just couch to bed or bed to couch in my PJs. So percentage wise, again, if you were at what, where are you? Have you have you moved on anyway? Is there a percentage improvement? Siobhan said 55 to what, 80 now? Mm -hmm. Where would you have started when you were feeling at your worst? How low? Given 100 percent is full health. Where were you? Oh, God, I was probably at 20%. Like, I wasn't able to work. Yeah. Um, and I was pretty much stuck in the house. That low. Full time. Now I'm, I'd say, definitely up at, like, 50. Yes. Like, I'm able to leave the house and... 
you know, there's a comparative progress, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, because you're both different yeah, exactly. as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, so th- that progress is... Progress is progress, yeah. so we'll take... And we're, yeah. diff- we're different people, so what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work in the exact mm-hmm. same way for another person. And Claude is unfortunate because she's a strain of Borrelia that attacks your gut and focuses on your gut, mm-hmm. which obviously makes it very difficult for taking any medication. Because if your gut's not functioning, the absorption rate is really, really low. So therefore, you're not going to get the same benefit that I'm going to get if I'm absorbing 90% of the medication and she's only absorbing mm. 60%. I'm just throwing out these figures. I don't know what they are. Mm. But, you know, you're not going to have the it's same response. It's helping us understand. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. You're doing it really well. You're doing yeah. it really well. There's maybe another career in this somewhere, <laughs> I, I suspect. So. But you are. I can understand, and I'm sure our listeners can as well, the way you actually do describe that. I have the limeys with me on late lunch this <laughs> afternoon. Do you get that much? Yeah. Yes. People, they call you limeys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, the Claffies, Claude and Siobhan from Curraha. And I do want to mention our own Ailey Sheehy, who produced yes. a wonderful documentary about the pair of you as well, didn't she? Yeah. And that helped as well highlight this whole thing, didn't it? Brilliant. Your yeah. story. And it's still there. If you want to listen back to it, it's on lmfm.ie under documentaries. What was the name of that documentary? <laughs> oh, God. Good question. Living the, the tick, tick that, that changed, changed our lives, lives I, I think. Was, I was testing you two there. <laughs> and they had to look at each other, yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't do that in public. Just checking that, checking that you... suffer memory problems. <laughs> <laughs> we'll blame that you on the line. I was testing you for that, did you? For one minute. I was actually testing myself to try and think about it, if I'm actually being honest here. Look, um, your careers... You are a social worker, Siobhan. Yes. Yes. And you are an occupational therapist, yeah. uh, Claude. Mm-hmm. But you've actually not worked because of all this. Is that no, right? I've, yeah. um, I, I got hit when I was in my final year of college. So as it was, I had to split out my final year into two years and mm. work from home. Um, but I've never actually then got to go into my career as working as an occupational therapist because I was just too sick and unwell. Mm. Are you hoping that with oh, this progress, the dream. you'll get the back there? Biggest dream to work as an OT, yeah, yeah, definitely. What's it like those days when you're just empty, the battery is flat? Does it get you down? Oh, it definitely does. There's been very dark days. It's very tiring, like physically, mentally, and emotionally. Like if you're stuck in the house day in, day out. But we're just so lucky that we have an amazing family, friends, community. Like there's always somebody texting, calling, dropping to the house, and. Well, fundraising in general, like I know I'm going to receive treatment all the time and it doesn't have to be a worry. Mm. Isn't that a wonderful thing, Siobhan? The way family, community and more besides came right in behind you when they saw your stories to support you. Yeah, well, look, it just we wouldn't be in the place we are now if they hadn't, to be honest, or we would and we'd be living on the side of the road or we'd have moved in with relatives or something. The costs of our treatment, there's two of us, so everything's double and we've been getting treatment since 2014. So we're four years into it now. Um, so you can imagine the costs are hundreds of thousands yeah. easily with two mm. of us um, and our community and our family. They've been fundraising since 2015 for us. We just wouldn't have been able to do without them, without putting our own family under incredible hardship themselves, which they were doing initially before um, everybody came together. Like we wouldn't have been able to go to Germany and get the treatment for the six, seven months that we got with IV. So we just, we wouldn't be, we'd be in a very different position now if they hadn't come together. Mm. And they continue to fundraise for us because we still have continuing costs. 
every month like we're both still on intensive treatment programs in terms of medication and supplements that have cost we've got still doctors, doctors and appointments and bloods that we have to get done supportive treatments mm-hmm. that we have to get done so there's still high costs every month um, and if the trust weren't still gung-ho about fundraising for us again our parents I know would make sure we got the treatment but at what cost, cost I don't yeah. know of course. Um, and that brings with it a whole other level of stress and you know emotional toll that if you thought you were putting your parents into the ground in order mm-hmm. to have good health they do it no question but you don't want to feel like that kind of burden either yeah. so mm. the community and our family and the trust have really alleviated that for us which you can't thank people enough for that there's but no it, way to yeah, repay it, it of course of course but at mum and dad great and parents oh, great phenomenal. because you know yeah. parents yeah. when push comes to, comes to shove yeah. they do anything for your children and yeah i they think do. your parents uh, you know are examples of that as well yeah do you ever get tired of you know just what Yvonne's saying yeah. there, you know, having to take all these medications, I'm sure at certain times and yeah. not forgetting mm. them and never missing them and yeah. all else besides. You never say, oh, heck this. It is. I've definitely had moments where I've just wanted to come off it all. But I know that if I give up today, tomorrow could be the day that I get the breakthrough and start reacting really well to the treatment. So what would all these past few years, five years of fighting it be worth if I give up, you know, today? Mm. So I'm hopeful that it'll start kicking in soon enough. Mm, but you have to keep that hope always yeah. and mm-hmm. it's the best professional advice and care that yeah. you're getting as well. Yeah. yeah. You know? And we just have to remind ourselves that nothing's permanent. Do you know, this isn't going to be the situation mm-hmm. forever. We've seen changes since we started this treatment plan and programme and journey, whatever you want to call it, in, mm-hmm. in 2014. We've seen progress and we've seen changes. So even when we're going through a particularly difficult day, week, month, whatever it is, we know it's not going to be that way forever. So you just have to survive until things turn again and, you know, then Mm. it's on the up and up again. So, you know, you're such inspirational women, I have to say. (laughs) You are. Because when you tell us what's involved and all you Mm -hmm. go through every day and here you are. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
smiling and, yeah. you know, best side out no matter what. But you know as well as your poster girls, you know, for this as well, <laughs> you realise that because it is a serious message, isn't it? To, yeah. to get out to, and your the documentary, your mm-hmm. radio appearances, newspapers, whatever, yeah. is really still saying to people, yeah. if you get bitten. Yeah, prevention is key. Like, do you know, yeah. if you're going out for a hike, tuck your socks into your yes, uh, just trousers check, check and everything, yourself. and check for ticks. Yeah. And also, you know your body the best. So, if you don't feel well or you've any inclination that maybe you did get bit by a tick, to go to your GP and really ask for the antibiotics straight away instead of letting it become a chronic problem. Mm-hmm. And be willing to fight. I think is the yeah. other thing. Like, trust your own gut because. Mm-hmm. The unfortunate reality is that majority of our doctors and GPs, they're not necessarily au fait with this or up to speed or know what to do. So don't, you know, be confident in the research you do yourself and don't be afraid to fight for your GP for what you think you need if you think you have been bitten. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid to change GP if you're not being listened to. Like mm. you're paying for a service. So we're very lucky with our with our doctor. Our GP is amazing. But I know from TikTok that that's not the case for the majority of people. So mm-hmm. I would just trust your own gut. The community, and there is a community of people who live with this in Ireland and Mm -hmm. in the world as well. Are are you intertwined much with that, Uh, you know, with other people who live with this, have been aware of others and things like that yeah yeah I think um, the fa- our, we have a Facebook page our trust does so we would get a lot of messages from people okay. through that so we kind of take turns sometimes mm-hmm. Cloda will be in touch with yeah. different people sometimes they'll come through me mum will talk to like any person on the street so I don't know how many people <laughs> yeah, when she's, she's like she's like at her hairdressers and she comes home and she's like oh someone came up to me and they're going to ra- like yeah. mum's just unbelievable um, but yeah of course I, I'm Claude and I are both and our parents are always willing to talk to people because Mm -hmm. we know what it's like not to have anyone to talk to Mm -hmm. and not knowing what's going on or or where to turn in terms of treatment or might I have this and it's so helpful when you do meet that person even if it's just messaging on Facebook where they're like I have all these symptoms am I crazy and you're like oh god I had them as well you don't feel so alone so yeah absolutely I would always say people should reach out for sure. You two are not alone. I've just been watching these phones on the desks in front of them here and it's constant since they've sat down here. Ah, look, that's the way the world today, isn't it? It's great to see you both. I, I thank you for coming in to just Thanks update us on where you were. I'm delighted yeah. to hear progress yeah. On, yeah. on both sides yeah. as well. And please God, that continues for the next uh, while, months mm-hmm. and years and that yeah. there'll come a time we'll say, you know, it's behind us and we've, we've done this. Yeah, exactly. And just to say, like, if anyone is you know looking this up or or not sure if they have it or not that TikTok they're the organisation for Ireland and they have a conference in May we've been going for the last Mm -hmm. three years four years maybe Um, and there's one in May this year on the 25th that if you're not sure you'll meet like so many people that go there's people who are diagnosed people who aren't sure there's GPs there's health practitioners there's just can be great support there for people so if there are people out there that aren't sure that's a resource TikTok May it's coming up and you can Google it and get the details there you're looking great so I think it's appropriate that we dedicate this song to both no. of you because you're looking that well it's Gavin James and Glow the Laffy's Clothe and Siobhan thanks thank so you so much, much. thank you
Gavin James and Glow on Tuesday's Late Lunch here on LMFM Radio. Louise, I'll tell you a little story about yesterday. I was away uh, first day fishing on Loch Lane yesterday with Ken. Oh, I have to say Ken. Ken Murray, he got a trout yesterday. I showed you the picture. I saw it, yeah. Oh, such a rainbow trout. Between five and six pound and overwintered fish an absolute beauty and I had a good day's fish as well got some lovely fish Ken caught a big pike as well would you believe on the fly incredible very lucky on your first oh, day oh that man his versatility is unbelievable but listen we were getting the boat ready yesterday morning and the boat was underwater with all the rain and storms we've had and was bailing out the boat anyway I was bailing about the boat myself without putting the bung in oh no <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been there till Christmas 12 months but those fellas beside us getting their boat ready and one of the lads said where are you from Drogheda and true as God may strike us dead he said there's a fellow over there from Drogheda I listen to him on the radio every day do you know him his name is Jerry Kelly no <laughs> this way is Ken. this is him this is him here he is well I want to say of all the joints today. and all the places of all, of all the bars and all the world <laughs> Paddy McGee from Trim I met him and his fishing buddy yesterday Paddy hello to you I know he listens to the show every day hope you had a good day's fishing yesterday we enjoyed a very enjoyable first day out on the lake but Paddy lovely to meet you yesterday and what a coincidence that was up next on late lunch rural Wi-Fi. do you remember he promised to sort out the connectivity difficulties in the Royal County in Mead he's back with us next on the show a few weeks back Patrick Cotter joined me on late lunch he has a new bit Business. It's called Rural Wi-Fi and he was bringing Rural Wi-Fi into the Royal County, into County Mead. And we got a number of people who decided to take up the service. And Patrick is back with us this afternoon on the show. Good to see you again. How are you getting on in County Mead? Getting on very well. Um, since the radio show, we've had a, a, an awful lot of calls from a, a lot of your uh, listeners, for one. Um, we've done, jeez, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 installations. Yeah. And um, everybody seems happy, but like since the last time I spoke to you, we have launched a satellite option as well. So now we can guarantee 100% coverage. So, how, uh, what, what difference does that satellite make? How does it work that you can guarantee that? Well, satellite can guarantee coverage, right? Because it goes to, the, goes to the board of the sky. The only problem with some satellite is we got for like 30 megs download for 50 gig or, or unlimited allowance, but you, kids can't really do gaming on it. For example, if you're on the Xbox or, and you're playing Fortnite with your friends, the, the latency is too slow on satellite. That's the only problem with it. But if you haven't got Wi-Fi, you haven't got broadband in your house and you want to do the normal things, you know, it works really well. So your emails, connectivity yeah. to give you that support for your mobile phone, all yeah. that type of stuff, That with the satellite you're going to get a real good yeah. service on and that. And we look, yeah, you will, but we look at one in five customers of ours, potential customers of ours, we'll, 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 we will use the satellite solution for. James Costello is one of those. We're trying to get him at the moment on the phone. He was to talk to us. Yeah. We're just having difficulty. Maybe he's out of coverage. <laughs> I'm only joking there. <laughs> uh, but we're trying to get him there. We did speak to him this morning, and he was very happy with what you did for him. What did you do for James Costello? Well, f- we, first of all, we surveyed 
to see what, what solution would suit them. And our Spectrum Network, we spoke with the last time, our standard solution, would, would only give them sort of five meg. Now, it's better than what he was getting. So we made a rule that unless the minimum we can do is eight or nine meg, we will then install satellite. Because the extra three or four meg allows, every, allows the kids play and allows us then to you know, set the system up for whatever the family needs or whatever mm. they do. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we installed a satellite dish on the side of his house. Same insulation, much the same as what we would do with our own solution. And uh, yeah, he, he he was never getting anything. So I think I think he's in uh, Kilmessen. Yeah, that's right. Only made good hurling, good yeah. hurling there. Uh, part of me. And he's now a solution to something he had nothing at one stage, yeah. and now he has his internet access. He has. Yeah connectivity around the house and that as well from this. Yeah, and you know, he, he can he can download movies, he can do all that, but the only downside of satellite is we can't kids can't be on that fortnight, okay. but okay. uh, I think parents would be happy. Oh, listen, isn't that a, that's a boon because we've been talking about it here and parents are driven mad with it. They yeah. can't get them off these games. So maybe yeah. that's a, a natural solution to yeah. that as well. Besides satellite, what else, Patrick? What what are the other options? Remind us again that you can do. Well, you know, for a Wi-Fi is gone about two years now and we have like three or four thousand come up to four thousand customers now and on our own spectral network we use all the mobile uh, operators yeah so our system connects to the strongest mast nearest person's house and to that network and uh, but the key to what we do is we set the solution up through our call centre you know if someone rings in calls in we ask them all the questions that maybe other providers don't ask how many kids are in the house what do you want the internet for what are you currently getting yes yeah? What uh, you know? What's your expectations? And that's been the key to our success. You know, really. When you look at me, then you've been in there for a while now. I, weeks, I take yeah. it. I take it the big towns are pretty well covered, are they? Navin, yeah. Kells, Trim, the main urban areas, and even in the the, the big towns, the mass are conge- congested as well. So there are issues within yeah. the the urban areas where you would think yeah. that there is good mm. ca- connectivity. No. Well, no, there is, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you know, if everybody's trying to connect at the same time at six o'clock in the evening to, say, the Vodafone mm. signal or wherever it may be, you know, there's going to be congestion. And again, it comes down to the quality of the equipment you're using in your home or wherever you want to take that broadband signal in. Like, it still comes down to where... Uh, so you can enhance if there's difficulties well, in an have, urban area. Yeah, we've all yeah. developed extender, uh, external and standard booster antenna, mm. uh, which we have on the outside of the house. Which locks into the into our into our um, network. The big difficulty, though, is back to your title of your business, rural Wi-Fi. It's yeah. in these areas that people are struggling, That's isn't it? Where, they're the customers we want. Mm. As I said before, we don't want customers who have a decent. You know, have, we want customers. Who, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the Aran Islands. You know, if you look, I go back to the Aran Islands and you look at what, what you know. There's people that are never the internet. Mm. They're the ones we want. You know, and if we get them up to 10 megs, they're delighted. Like, people in towns who are getting 80, 90 meg wouldn't understand that. But 10 meg, you know, I'm not saying it's better than nothing, but there's an awful lot you can do with that. And it's not all down to speed as well. It's down to what you can do with the bandwidth that comes in. Mm. And knowing, like, what it takes to download Netflix film, what, you know, how much, how many, how much bandwidth do you need to open the Origin Independent or wherever mm. it may be. Do you know the way in the past you download, upload? Yeah. Still applicable? Yeah. And what's the ratio? What's the, what's the, well, the best ratio there? The, ra- the upload ratio used to be huge. Yeah. Now it's all balanced off. It's in around the same. Okay, yeah. so 50-50 across yeah. the board. Yeah, usually. Mm. Mm. So are you in me now for the foreseeable future? We what's are. the plan in the, in the weeks and months ahead? Or are you? Well, we're going you? to be in some of the you know, uh, shopping centres, the Tesco's and all, doing pop-up stands. and Yeah. yeah. We're going to be, uh, you know, 
uh, we're still going to be advertising. We're doing, you know, radio ads and all that sort of stuff as well. Okay, so that is continuing and you're available in County Mead as we speak. Yes. How, how do people get in touch? Or what about people living in Loud today or the, the surrounding yeah, counties? Yeah, we're, like we're, we're nationwide. You know? Okay, so how do they get in touch with they you? They can call us as on our, you know, uh, our goldrurawifi.ie. Well, I would... Uh, Tell everybody to call us, really, okay. so we can actually talk into the process. Okay, so ruralwifi.ie is yeah. where you'll get the number. Do you know the number off the top of your head? Zero four four nine three one two three one two. That is the number of your struggling in town or country, yeah. in Louth or Meath or any yeah. other county. Patrick and his crew from uh, Rural Wi-Fi want to talk to you. Thank you for joining us with an update. Thank you very much. Best wishes to you. Thanks, See you Patrick. Bye bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda and Dundalk. The March sales event is now on, offering low APR finance and deposit contribution across the 191 Renault range. Offer ends March 30th, so call into Blackstone Motors, Drogheda or Dundalk today to see how affordable buying a new Renault is. It was 22 all the way on the 17th St. Patrick's Day. What the hell am I talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Yes, the National Feast Day just gone by. The European Under-22 Boxing Championships. Amy Broadhurst was celebrating her 22nd birthday and she struck gold. She is the champion and she's on the line with me. Afternoon, Amy. Hello, how are you? Oh, God almighty, how am I? How are you, young woman? I'm I'm delighted, so I am, but I'm very tired as well. I'm sure you are. You've only got back in and a long journey behind you. Well, what does this feel like for you? Uh, It still hasn't sunk in. it's crazy, so it is the fact that I've after winning five European gold medals is mad, so it is. It's terrific, and I ain't one bit surprised. I've said this before, from I met you on this show as a nipper. I could only see one thing in you, but mm. international success. And boy, have you lived up to that expectation. The final was a, a tough fight for you. This Italian girl, not easy opponent by any means, Amy. No, no, I knew going in um, uh, that she was one of the, she was probably the one that would be the one to beat. And she was because she came up against, uh, on the other side of the draw, she beat some good boxers as well. Mm. And she was last year's under 22 champion at 64 kilos. So in the final, it was two European champions uh, trying to defend the title. So uh, it, it was a very tough fight for me, but thankfully I got through it. You did, and I know it was a split decision, but it was quite a unanimous split decision because it was 4-1 uh, with yeah. the judges at the end of the day. How did you feel when you were waiting for the arms to be raised? Were you confident that you were going to feel your arm going up in the air? Yeah, I kind of, when they said split, I still thought, yeah, I've got this because for the first two rounds, it was not comfortable for me, but I knew I was winning them. Um, but I'd lost the, the third round and it depended on which way the judges had scored the second round um, because if they had to give it away, like away to her, then I would have lost. But I won the first two rounds four one, mm. which which is a comfortable comfortable win because um, the Bulgarian judge that gave it against me, he was one of the the worst officials over there. He was <laughs> they, were, they, they were all um, marked on how well they done. Yeah, and it 
28 officials, he finished 27, so well, it wasn't... There you go, it says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. But they are marking them now, because you've been the victim of a few crazy decisions in your time, and that it's no secret about this, it has, but th- this is really coming under scrutiny now in the boxing world. So look, it's onwards and upwards. Now, exactly. I know I know that boxing, there's a bit of an issue about the Olympics in 2020 in Tokyo, uh, around boxing at the minute, but hopefully that will be resolved. Yeah. Um, is that your aim? Is that where you want to be? Yeah, I'm going to... Uh, the main the main goal for me is the Olympics and whether it's 2020 or 2024 or even 2028, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably... I'll, I'll not stop until I get there anyway, that's for sure. Oh my, oh my, your determination is unbelievable. <laughs> I hope that this really happens for you sooner rather than later. So what what's next this year for Amy Broadhurst? You have this European Under-22 medal again, another European medal. What, what, where are you boxing next? Where are you headed? I'm meant to be going to Sweden in uh, three weeks for an international and then at the same time I was entered into the English Championships but um, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure on what's actually happening at the moment but over the next few days, myself and my dad would sit down and have a talk because um, he he thinks that I should have a break because it's been a very busy couple of months for me. Yeah. So we'll just see what happens. But the main the main competition now for me this year will be the World Championships towards the end of the year. So that's something that I'll be I'll be training for. Okay, so that's the next biggie to come your way. And while you mention your dad, I'm going to have a word with him in a moment. But before I do. He left you on your own EO for these championships, Amy. Did you miss him? I did miss him, but at the same time, it was very good for me to go off on my own for the first time and, and actually get used to him not being there because it was there's going to come a day where I'll have to do it on my own, so it was better to get it done and over it now mm. rather than at 28 years old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're still baby Canelo, is that what they call you? Yeah, yeah. You'll always be to your daddy, you know that. <laughs> but he was sick so he was when I won the, that he wasn't now but, yes. but he's, he's delighted that I'm home now I'd say there was some welcome and some hug at the airport was there oh yeah he didn't want to let go of me <laughs> ah and I wouldn't blame him at all well listen it's fantastic to talk to you I want to have a little word with your dad will you put him on and congratulations yeah. again you know how much we love you and enjoy your success and sharing it with you and continued success to you Amy thanks very much thank you not at all talk to you soon yeah talk to you soon okay. good woman bye, yourself bye bye, bye. Tony well, <laughs> I, I was listening to Amy giving a lot of waffle about how much I missed there. And <laughs> yeah, of course I did, yeah, massively. Yeah, you did, and it is the first time. And I suppose a big thing, she's out there on her own, quite a distance from home. But I take it you were in constant contact each day, yes. Oh, yeah, every every night before a contest, every morning before a contest, we'd, uh, we'd chat about uh, things and go through our fights and... You know, it was it was just sort of trying to get her into a good, happy frame of mind, and you know, the, then she always competes really well. Mm. Oh, listen, this girl is really special. I said it a few moments ago, and we've known this for a long, long time. It's another step on the road. It's another big achievement for her. And I just saw as well, Bernard Dunn uh, tweeted a, a massive compliment to her, didn't he? Oh yeah, he was uh, he was up at the the airport last night when was we he? were collecting aid. Yeah. He was there, Domo Rock, the IABA president was there, Fergal Khalid, all all the top top names from Irish boxing was up there to congratulate her and be there for her. 
yeah, it's you know, it's it's just amazing. It's like uh, it's like you have a dream, but like how often are dreams becoming reality? And St. Patrick's Day, Amy's birthday, gold medal, like it just it's hard to sink in. It really is. Mm. But you see, good things good to come to good people uh, as well who are dedicated, have the commitment, the talent, the family support, you name it. And that's what this young woman has from all of you as well. And uh, it, it pays and, and it yields dividends at the end of the day. What, what, I mentioned you were there and, and you are close to her dad or coach. You've been with her all her life. This 2020 dream or beyond the Olympics. What's your take on that, Tony? We we are hoping and focusing on making this the the best year that we can for her, and hoping that she gets an opportunity for twenty twenty. Yeah, she you know she's she's proven time and time again she's ready. She was in the top eight last year. Should have been the medalist at a heavier weight. You know she's gone and won her fifth European gold medal. It's you know she's she's proven and. We just we're hoping to get an opportunity to to go for a qualifier for twenty twenty Olympics, you know. So yeah, fingers fin- crossed. Touch fingers wood. crossed. Yes, everything. Yeah. I'm touching my head here, touching wood. Yeah, I'm just giving a little <laughs> touch here for you, Tony. Anything I can I can do, as you know, we will. Listen, I'm just going to leave it there for today. We'll be in touch. Congratulations to you all again. Celebrate our birthday now, belatedly. She deserves a big. A big uh, win dig for that uh, wonderful win in Europe. And it's nice to catch both of you again today on Late Lunch. Thanks a million. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself. I'm heartbroken since Sunday evening. I just can't eat. I can't concentrate. I can't do anything. And we did our best. We all did our best, I know. But it wasn't to be. But uh, my God, didn't he do so well. Who am I talking about? Yes, Mr. Fred Cook and his dance partner, Julia Dotter who made it to within one week of the final of Dancing with the Stars. And he joins me on Monday instead of Friday this week, and we know why. Fred, afternoon. Ah, Jerry, thank you so much. Look, I'm in denial. I'm here in my dancing shoes. When am I on next? I can't take it in. (laughs) You'll gate-crash the final, will you? (laughs) I think I will. And if anyone... I'll appeal it. I'll appeal that dance off. If anyone has eyes, you'll know that my dance was much better than Johnny Ward's. Now I've said it. Fred is looking for a second referendum. They mightn't give it across the water, but we want a second vote in Ireland. Open those lines up this afternoon. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, and because I, I, I heard from the production company that the votes were very close. And yeah. thank you for that. It was very close. Ah, and I nearly did like it in a dance off. So, you know, and if, I wouldn't have got this far. I think, you know, like a boxer match that, you know, you put your best, you put your best morale forward and you're trying to go, I can win this. But when you do leave the ring, you can be a bit more honest and vulnerable and say, you know, I didn't even expect to get this far. Ah, that's. I was winging it most weeks. And I wouldn't have got this far if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for a Friday phone call. Well, listen, I That's thank you great. for that. And I know you mentioned it as well on television the other night. You gave LMFM a great mention as well and the yeah. support you'd got from the region. And why wouldn't we support you? You were our man all the way. And you know what? You did so well. Honestly, to go this far into the final four of the competition, I think, Fred, is a wonderful achievement. Well done, Julia. Well done to you as well, who carried it off each week. And thanks again. I want to say it as well 
because when we got behind you and asked people, they did support you. I know that. They got right behind yeah, you. Anyway, yeah. listen, you're, you're out, but are you going back next week? Are, they, are all the contestants oh, back? Yeah. yeah. Like, the funny thing is, because I left on the semi-final, like, we're all back this week. We're doing a group dance as well. So I was actually practising the group dance this morning. So right. I'm still in every week. So uh, <laughs> I met up with all the other people who were eliminated this morning. So we're doing our own dance. So and the best in that bracket. You are. Yes. <laughs> and, you, uh, <laughs> you, you get, you, you're the reserve champion, as they say in Crofts. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what That's I am. That's what you are, for sure. Kind of with, with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now tell me this. I'm going to put you on the spot for a moment. Mairead Ronan, Johnny Ward, Cleona Hagen are left. The final three. Who do you think? I'd say it's Cleona. Would you? I do think so. Yeah, I do think. I think it's because uh, because she's got a because she's from Northern Ireland. She's got a province behind her. Yeah. You know, and the country western thing is so popular. You know what I mean? And where she's from as well. It's all it's all and like you know she's very talented. But it's not it's not the judge's decision this time around. It's all public vote. Yes. So I'd say uh, Cleona. Now wouldn't be but there's you know nothing. Nothing surprises me at this stage with the competition. You know, I've been surprised every week with what happened. Do you know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if I end up winning it, even though I'm kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that'd be a story, wouldn't it, Fred? <laughs> I have to say that'd be something else. <laughs> something else. And the winner is Fred Cook. What? He didn't even dance. And I'd be smiling there with the trophy in my hand. <laughs> and it would look very well. That trophy would look very well beside the crib on Christmas Eve. And it'll well, the, never happen now. Well, you know what? I remember years ago in an England competition, many moons ago, a fella loved the trophy that much that he ran off with it before the competition. <laughs> I'm not putting any ideas into your head now, Fred, but you know... <laughs> You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah, yeah. You've driven me this far. I might as well go all the way myself. I control of it. Headlines next Monday. It's all over the media. Fred runs off yeah, with yeah, Dancing with yeah. the Stars trophy. So Cleona Hagen, Cleona Hagen is who you think. You know what I'm going to say now? Because you've said that, I'm going to ask LMFM listeners to support Cleona Hagen in the final because she is yeah. oh, just up wow, the road yeah, from us yeah, and yeah. let's all get behind her and I know Linda Martin who listens to us the lovely Linda of Eurovision fame who was talking to us on the show last week and has been on to me she's from Tyrone as well and Linda has been I'll tell you let you into a little secret Linda wanted us to back Cleona in the dancing and I said not a chance because yeah, we cool, have man. a fella called Fred and we love him to bits in the northeast. He's our man for as long as he goes in the competition. Jerry, do you know what someone said to me as well? Well, I have you here. Uh, because you were so good to me, I, I was on your show for 11 weeks. 11 weeks we'd yeah. have this chat every Friday. And someone came up to me at like Conley Station who were from Beliver and they said to me, I love your weekly slot on LMFM. <laughs> 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 it became a, like accepted weekly so she just thought that's, that's all at 3 o'clock every Friday he's on LMFM that guy <laughs> well for everyone in Beliver we'll have to get him back every Friday so if that's the way it is anyway look that's the little story with Cleona Hagen and Linda asked me a favour and I'm going to do that now in the final week we're going to it's like the PR electoral system we're going to transfer Fred's vote <laughs> she's number two <laughs> to Cleona so let's get behind her for the final next week I think week. there's a mistake do you remember do you remember years ago there was a mistake with the voting machines yes nothing worked yeah I think that's why it was eliminated oh 
Fred, there's, we'll have to get investigative journalists onto this <laughs> immediately. Anyway, look, I wanted to yeah. just touch base quickly with you to say congratulations, and we'll see you down the road. You'll pop into me for a lengthier chat on the show. Thank Jerry, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arrive at something fantastic because you guys are so <laughs> good to me. You know what I mean? To, to, to have you guys back me the whole way, like the whole of RD and, and the whole of Leinster. And thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Fred Cook, thanks a million for joining me again today on the show. Take care of yourself. What I'll a great you, guy. Jerry, see you, Fred. Bye bye. Great fella. Really great fella. Final break of the afternoon on late lunch and a touching story. Uh, uh, and it's centred around Navin Hospital, I have to tell you, coming up next on the show. Gavin Beckton with a lovely story in the Mead Chronicle. And Simon Toland joins me on the line to tell me more. Hello, Simon. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks for taking our call. I'm very well. Tell our listeners uh, about John and Marie O'Neill. Okay, sure. Um, John Marie O'Neill had been living in, in Navin for the last 20 years, well up to 2017. Uh, and I suppose a little bit of tragedy behind the story where both John and Marie um, both passed away um, from cancer um, within six months of each other. Um, Marie had, I suppose if we go back 10 years prior to that, Marie had um, um, Marie had been diagnosed with cancer back in 2007. And three years later, I suppose she was quite sick. Um, John had decided to give up work to look after um, and was, you know, doing a fantastic job um, being her carer. Um, but unfortunately, he got diagnosed with, with cancer um, at the end of um, November 2016. And then I suppose the real tragedy unfolded. Um, Marie passed away in February uh, 2017 and John in August 2017. Yeah, so, so Marie died first in the spring of 2017 and then John followed, his passing followed Correct. in the autumn of the year. They were only in their 40s. Hmm. Young Correct. people, yes, young, young people with their lives ahead of them. And they have one son, Jake. What age is Jake? Jake is 14. Young uh, sorry, fella. Now. He's, mm. now, he's now 15. Yeah. Um, but he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he was 13 in their passing. Um, and he's a, great, he's a great young lad. He now lives with us, uh, Linda and myself. And he's a fantastic young lad. And what relationship are yourself and Linda to the O'Neills? Uh, aunt and uncle. So, ah, yes. His brother. Linda's, Linda's brother is John. Okay, yeah, I, I have the connection now. So he yeah. uh, just sat in with yourselves and he's part of your family now, of course, always remembering his mum and dad who passed really early, again, I want to say, in their 40s. So tragedy, sadness, you name it. Now, out of this has emerged something really special. Navin Hospital is very close to the family. Why? Uh, because I mean, they were they were fantastic carers um, when John and Marie were um, going through a very difficult stage. Um, in particular, I suppose John spent an awful lot of time in his last probably eight months of his life up in Navin Hospital, and the care and attention he got was just incredible. And and so I suppose Linda and I um, have established quite a big bond with the hospital, and we wanted to give something back. And you did give something special that's going to be there forevermore. This little garden, where is it in the hospital? Um, if, if anybody has been in the unfortunate position to have probably broken a bone or needed a CAT scan, um, it's down in the x-ray department. Uh, so there was a little internal garden. It's, it's surrounded on kind of four sides by two walls and um, two, two glass windows. And it sits there uh, just, in the, just beside the reception area in the x-ray department. And... The idea for this and to make this place special and uh, dedicated to the memory of John and Marie O'Neill, how did this all come together? Well, it, it probably came from Roshin, who was um, Roshin approached me, who was one of the uh, one of the nurses in the hospital, 
Um, I, I think Roisin has was John's angel, to be quite honest. Uh, she was fantastic to the family, to ourselves, and she approached me and said, look, there's a bit of a space in the hospital. We're wondering if there's something that we could do with it. And I said, well, let me come up and have a look and see if we can do something. Appreciating, I suppose, the impact that uh, Roisin and the rest of the staff had, and, and it'd be, I'd be embarrassed not to mention as many people as I could, but all of the staff up in the hospital were amazing, but in particular Roisin. Um, what we wanted to ensure was that we did something that people would kind of lean into and, and they would find just find a little bit of solace and a bit of peace when they looked at it. And so we decided we'd, um, we'd all come together, uh, which we did, and uh, tapped into the talents of a kind of a huge community and, and create a garden which I think is, is probably going to stay there for some time and, and give people a, a little bit of joy uh, as they're looking at it. It certainly will, and I'm looking at the pictures in the Chronicle, and they're absolutely beautiful. Now, obviously, this costs money to do. This run amok challenge, I love the name. What's that about? Uh, uh, run amok is, how would I put it? Run amok is, um, is, is, uh, is, a, is, an, is a, I suppose, an event that's run uh, every year. Um, individuals um, run around a field, is the only way to describe it, or a bog. Um, we did this last year in the, in, in the very cold conditions, which was March of last year. And the intent was, we, we thought we'd get a few people together and, and we'd try and raise a few bob and see, see, see what we could do with it. Um, what actually transpired is we'd over 50 people on the day who were all uh, focused on kind of doing this in, in memory of John and Marie. And we, and we ran around this field getting very cold, uh, getting very mucky. Um, but as I said to everybody af- afterwards, we were miserably happy. Um, it was a great event. People got sponsorship from that. And in that sponsorship, then, we had raised enough funds that we could do a couple of different things, actually. So it's, it's worth mentioning the garden. Um, but it's also worth mentioning that we also purchased furniture uh, for uh, family area inside the ICU. And we also were able to donate funds to Claire's Wish, which is a charity based down in Limerick for terminally adults. It's a brilliant, brilliant story. And I congratulate you all. And we remember uh, John and Marie O'Neill on late lunch here on LMFM this afternoon. And congratulations to you and to Jake and to everybody else in the hospital and friends and family involved. As you say, it is something that will be there to be enjoyed by many, many uh, generations of people for years to come. Uh, Lovely to talk to you, Simon, on the show today. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for the time. Not Cheers. at all. Take, Thank take you. care. All Thanks right. for taking our call. That's Simon Tolan there. And if you're in Navin Hospital, check it out. It's beautiful and the new furniture and everything. It all really adds to the place. Anyway, that's almost a lot on late lunch for this afternoon. And uh, we'll uh, leave you with a classic, a real brilliant one. I remember it well when it was released many moons ago. It's the real thing and you to me and you to us are everything. See you tomorrow afternoon at half one. Some other way to make you see If it takes my heart and soul You know I'd pay the price Everything that I possess I'd gladly sacrifice
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.